Good morning. It's May 2nd, and welcome to Doing Life, daily devotions for finding peace in stressful times. This is the audible companion to the book of the same name. Today's title is Let Them See You Sweat. Admitting a mistake is not a weakness. On the contrary, it shows an openness of heart. Only a strong, well-balanced individual with clarity of mind can do so effortlessly. Vishwa Shavan Doctors are in no way infallible. In fact, our mistakes may be more evident than in most professions because of the nature of our work. If in a frenzied moment we make a flawed judgment, the good doctor recognizes his error, makes appropriate changes, and moves on. But you can't learn from mistakes if you won't acknowledge them. The patient must view the doctor as even-keeled, but the med school admonition of never let him see you sweat is bad advice for the doctor and for the patient. A patient can't trust a doctor who perceives himself as infallible because inevitably the doctor will prove that he is not, perhaps at the patient's expense. I was awakened one night at about 3.30 a.m. when on call at San Francisco General Hospital as a junior resident in OB-GYN. This was unusual only in that I was actually asleep and miraculously had been for over 45 minutes. The three interns covering labor and delivery in the emergency room were either in total control or alternatively, had nothing to do. Anyway, the page was from a senior internal medicine resident screening intern presentations in the ER. He listened to the case of a Laotian woman writhing in pain, hands clutching her abdomen, who evidently had a large pelvic tumor. Unfortunately, it was not uncommon for non-English-speaking indigent patients to arrive in the ER with advanced malignancies in a crisis stage. The medicine chief had diligently examined the patient himself and confirmed that there was a rock-hard mass at the apex of the vagina, which seemed to extend in an irregular mass all the way to the sternum. The cervix had a small amount of blood exuding, but otherwise looked normal. When I arrived in the tiny curtained space in the packed emergency ward, I discovered what can only be described as bedlam. The patient, who appeared to be about 16 years old, was sweating heavily, flushed, and agitated. There was a woman by the head of the bed in tears with her arms and upper body thrown across the thrashing patient's chest. The tiny space contained not only these two, but the intern, a nurse, two security officers restraining the girl's father, who was babbling unintelligibly and gesticulating wildly as he yanked first one, then the other arm away from the security personnel trying to restrain him. He seemed to be hurling most of his Laotian invective at our hapless internal medicine resident. The doctor had evidently at least been able to communicate the internationally recognized word cancer to the distraught father. In this quiet group of competent professionals, they needed me? Anybody appraising this situation objectively could agree on one thing immediately. There were just too many people screaming in this tiny space. I asked security to remove the older gentleman and the two other physicians to step out and give me a moment alone with the nurse, the patient, and her mother. I knew no Laotian, but I did know that many of our Laotian patients also spoke French. When the noise level was down to only the patient's groans and the mother's sobs, I asked the only thing I knew how to say in French. Quand tiernes regles? The teenager looked up and responded, Je ne sais pas, which was the only other phrase I knew in French. The patient allowed a brief bimanual exam to confirm the impending birth, and with some international sign language, I communicated the good news to her mother, who immediately began to sob once again. The other two physicians were, of course, mortified, almost to the point of self-vaporization. 
It became clear that only the patient suspected her diagnosis, while her parents had been practicing the Eastern version of Western denial. They maintained it was not possible, since their daughter had not yet enjoyed sexual congress. I was tempted to tell the translator that she may not have enjoyed it, but she definitely had it. I remembered my professional code of conduct at the last instant and refrained. This is not as outrageous as it seems. Doctors are no more omniscient than they are infallible, and many a patient has intentionally or inadvertently misled those caring for her. In this case, denial was so manifest that this Laotian family either really didn't know what was happening or considered it so unlikely as to deny the logical findings of their own senses. Thanks to their demeanor on arrival, the intern was sucked in completely. Well, who can blame him? All doctors have seen patients with large, undiagnosed cancers. The family's level of agitation told the intern that something extremely grave was going on, and it made it easy for him to overlook her youth, the fact that her pain was coming in waves, or even that the pelvic mass felt just the way a baby's head would feel. The resident, reviewing hundreds of cases, had simply bought what the intern had told him. Before the girl was transferred to labor and delivery, the translator managed to straighten out the confusion. The father screamed something in Laotian, threw his hands in the air, and we thought he was going to hit the intern who tried to back up quickly. Instead, the father gave him a bear hug and began crying tears of joy and thanking the flabbergasted intern over and over. The translator related his words carefully. We are not so terrible parents as we thought. Even you did not know our daughter was pregnant. We are so happy that there is no cancer. I bet you will never make this mistake again. Being a good doctor, like a good pilot, requires the cool clockwork rationality of the flight computer and more. While the pilot must recognize his own fears, but never show them to the crew or passengers, the doctor learns that his own emotions and fears are the same as his patients, and that occasionally revealing them can be beneficial to the doctor-patient relationship. Achieving the desired outcome while still remaining human requires both compassion and self-discipline. Every now and then, let them see you sweat. They won't really trust you completely if you don't. Christians have the great physician to rely on. But if he were just an omnipotent force that no one had ever seen, a force that your parents told you to believe in, to have faith in, would you? When you are the object of someone else's cruelty or disease or injury or just bad circumstances, would you trust a God you had never seen? God chose to be incarnate. Jesus was born in humble surroundings to a teenage unwed mother. He grew up to live a sinless, perfect life, but he got angry in front of the disciples. He got sad and wept in front of the disciples. He was tempted and undoubtedly shared it with the disciples. Our Savior died for our sins on that cross, a death we deserved. But he also understood us. He was fully man. God knew we needed a Savior to whom we could relate. God in heaven couldn't just be pie in the sky for a whole world to come to faith. God wanted us back. He thought of the perfect way. He became one of us, and when he did, he let us see him sweat. Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five, And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, Mark 3, 5. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple and he overturned their tables, John two thirteen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you decided to send your Son to live among us, so that we could see and hear with our own eyes and ears that you understand us. You know our temptations, our frustrations, our anger, our sadness, and our sinfulness. And still, you loved us enough to give us a way back home. We love you back. 
Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.